Welcome to It Is Always Now with Marty Long. Get ready to open up and let true joy into your life. Join Marty for conversations about inclusivity and respect, the importance of curiosity, and making change happen. Your journey of exploration and discovery into the greater world around us begins now. Here's Marty. Greetings. My name is Marty Long. My goal is to encourage you to awaken your curiosity. Curiosity is what keeps us seeking and finding truth and lasting joy. The topic I have chosen for this podcast revolves around the concept of the paranormal. In other words, I'm going to go where angels fear to tread. Let's start by looking at the definitions of some of the keywords I will be using. I think that helps us to stay on the same page. And as always, I rely on Webster. Paranormal. Webster provides one simple definition, not scientifically explainable. Plausible. Here, Webster offers three different nuances. First nuance, superficially fair, reasonable, or valuable, but often specious. Here are three words from the thesaurus that further clarify specious. Beguiling, deceptive, misleading. These are the kinds of words I think pop into the minds of many when they hear the word paranormal. Second nuance for plausible, superficially pleasing or persuasive. Third nuance, appearing worthy of belief. The bottom line here is that everyone must decide for themselves which is worthy of their belief. Preposterous, contrary to nature, reason, or common sense. And then Webster gives us one word in all capital letters, A-B-S-U-R-D, absurd. As in, I'm not going to waste one minute of my valuable time on this obvious nonsense. Which leads me to wonder, will my listeners dismiss this all out of hand? Or might a few of them be curious enough to stay with me for the next few minutes and see where I'm headed with this? I'm going to start now with three questions. Do you understand exactly how electricity works? I do not. I took physics once because I had to. I took a pass, no pass. I passed. Maybe if I had tried harder, I would have gotten it. But honestly, as long as the lights go on when I flip the switch, I'm good. Do you understand exactly what happens to your food once you swallow it? Now, due to my clinical background, I have a pretty good idea. But ask me exactly which enzymes react in exactly what part of the digestive system. I will tell you, I have no clue. Yet I eat every day. It seems to be working. I'm still alive. Do you understand how it is that planets like Earth stay in orbit for millions, billions, maybe trillions of years? Science does fascinate me. I like to read books written by a scientist, but in a way that helps me actually understand it. Still, the concepts of gravity and how all of the planets roam around the universe is very vague to me. Yet I do not get up in the morning and wonder if the Earth is going to fall out of the sky today. The list could go on. My conclusion up to this point is this. It rather seems that just because you do not understand exactly how something works, it does not mean it does not exist. You think? Now, of course, in the examples I have just given, there is some tangible evidence. Outcomes. 
And it is fair and reasonable to always look for tangible evidence and outcomes when you're considering whether to believe something or not. In the end, it is the outcomes that convince us, but regardless of the depth of our knowledge. Outcome, according to Webster, something that follows as a result or consequence. Moving right along. I now want to share with you a quote from this book I'm currently reading, Reality is Not What It Seems by Carlo Rovelli. It's on page 24 of the Penguin Publishing Group Kindle edition. This is one of those books written by a true scientist for not-so-much-science people. And by the way, I love Kindle edition books. I can buy it now, read it. Six months or a year later, I might remember a concept I want to look at again. If I have some keywords, I can just search for it. So who's Carlo Rovelli? Personally, I think it is imperative that we know our sources. Just taking for granted everything that pops up on Google is not something, well, that I can recommend. It turns out Rovelli is an Italian theoretical physicist. I think we can take his words quite seriously. And for the record, and by his own accounts in this book, it is safe to say he's an atheist. So his only goal is to explain science for what it is. He goes into great detail related to the history of science. He explains how many of our now solid scientific building blocks evolved. Pun intended. Rovelli speaks of Democritus, who was an ancient Greek Western philosopher. Just to set the stage and show how far back this goes, Democritus was born in 460 BC and died in 370 BC. That is approximately 2,423 years ago, assuming I did my arithmetic correctly. In short, Rovelli tells us that Democritus discovered the existence of atoms. What? Well, here's the quote. Without needing anything from modern physics, Democritus had already arrived at the idea that everything is made up of invisible particles. How did he do it? He had arguments based upon observation. For example, he imagined correctly that the wearing down of a wooden wheel or the drawing of clothes on a line could be due to the slow flight of particles of wood or water. But he also had arguments of a philosophical kind. Let's dwell on these because their potency reaches all the way to quantum gravity. So, did I miss something? Am I wrong to conclude that this hardcore atheist scientist believes that arguments of a philosophical kind are valid? Well, on we go. So there we have it. First, Democritus observed something he could not account for. He was then curious enough to look closer and think it through for himself. Curiosity kept him seeking and finding the truth. Sound like something you've heard before? Well, if you've been listening to my podcasts, you have. No, Democritus did not fully understand it all. He was barely scratching the surface. More and more has been discovered over the following 2,000 years. And even now, no matter how much we think we know, Science keeps digging deeper and discovering more. I just love science. I recently saw a documentary on Osiris Rex. How is it 
that scientists today could send Osiris Rex, which amounts to a very sophisticated drone, 10,710 miles into space. How is it they could actually control the actions of this craft and have it land on an asteroid? And then this craft was able to gather dust and pebbles from the surface of the asteroid and is now scheduled to arrive back to Earth this year, 2023. And this is only the beginning. As an aside, I still remember something I heard once when I was listening to a pastor. As you know, I grew up on the North Oregon coast. Near where we lived, we had a lovely two-mile beach. I had many happy hours there, especially during the two months of summer. The pastor said, pick up a handful of dry sand. Watch it slip between your fingers. Eventually, there will just be a few grains of sand in the palm of your hand. That is how much we know. All the rest of the sand, all of the rest of grains of sand on that two-mile beach, that is all the knowledge of the universe. Kind of paints a picture. So what's this got to do with this something outside of self that I refer to? First, I do not like to use words that have been used so many times times for so many things and misused in so many ways that they have very little meaning left in them. For me, one of those words is G-O-D. Sadly, we are more likely to hear it in a slur than sincerity. I prefer to call this the eternal. Now, I have a clinical science background. I believe in, enjoy, and respect science. But I also believe in the eternal some might say this is a dichotomy or oxymoron. Here's where I think there is no discrepancy. Let's go back to the earlier part of the discussion. First, I am sure you would agree with me that we must put the eternal in the paranormal category. After all, science cannot explain it, right? Science has sent men to the moon and crafts like the Hubble and Voyager far into space. So far, science has not found any evidence of the eternal. Well, a few of the men who went to the moon did sense something, and they shared their feelings, but certainly not in the classical scientific way. I'm in the process of rebuilding my online presence. My Twitter account is currently where I'm focusing. So I put a poll out there with three options. By the way, the handle for both Twitter and YouTube is Marty underscore long. Works in progress, but check them out if you're curious. Okay, here was the poll that I put out. Paranormal, is it one, positively for real, two, plausible it might be a thing, or three, preposterous, no way. Around 200 people looked at my poll and Considering where I'm at, that's pretty good, and enough to do some percentages with. However, no one actually voted, and it caused me to wonder why. This is my best guess. They were afraid to. They did not want to commit. They certainly don't want to get labeled. Or in some cases, they may not know, or maybe they don't even care. All of this I can totally understand and respect. Yet here I am, venturing even further into that abyss where angels fear to go. Back to what I said earlier. 
I hope we can all agree that we don't need to fully understand something to accept it. Now let's go back to what our friend Rivoli said about Democritus. He had arguments based on observation. I'm going to say it again. He, Democritus, had arguments based upon observation. When you see that someone is happy, that is an observation you make, right? Another aspect of science is reproducibility. When you see someone who seems to be happy more often than not, you might be prompted to ask them, how is it that you can be happy so much of the time? What if that person says, I am happy because I believe in the internal? Does that observation make you curious enough to at least check out the possibility? And how do you do that? Well, that is all very personal, perhaps a topic for another podcast. Of course, we would then have to talk about people who say they believe in the eternal, but are not happy all of the time, maybe hardly ever happy. I know one such person. They believe in the eternal. They have what we call a heart of gold. They will do anything for you, but they hardly ever smile. For that I say, a place of worship is not a country club. It is a hospital. When someone goes to the hospital, they have hope that they will be able to get well. They have hope that the medical staff will correctly identify the problem and fix it. So one could say believers are humans who have hope. What is hope? Well, that's definitely a topic for another podcast. So we're going to leave it there for now. But I want to leave you with a challenge. No matter where you are in life, don't follow those breadcrumbs, the same old ideas you have clung to for years. Instead, awaken your curiosity. Look under every rock. Be brave. Look at all of the possibilities. You don't even have to tell anyone you're doing it. It is all very personal. And remember, don't be discouraged when you hit a dead end or have a bad day and wonder if it's worth all the effort. It is always time to get up and keep going. Now is always the time. It is always now.